welcome to Hashtag No Limits. My guest today is a hot ticket, especially in the world of autism right now. Um, I so appreciate him niching out a bit of his time to come on our show. He is very famous. Um, as I posted earlier today, if you are a person who plays the game Six Degrees of Separation, you are going to be amazed at now after getting to interview and chat with Xavier a little bit more than I have, who I am all connected to um, by just a couple of degrees. So this is Hashtag No Limits, and Hashtag No Limits is about people who have had limits placed upon them, but who have busted through those limits. And today's guest, oh my gosh, the limits that he has busted through. So I don't want to take my normal amount of time to do my normal introduction. I do just want to remind you, if you are watching from um, the Facebook group, that you will need to give StreamYard permission to post your um, your profile picture and your name. So there's an option to just to go to StreamYard.com slash or forward slash Facebook, I believe. If not, it should be right above there. Um, if you're watching live, give us a hashtag live. If you watch this in replay, give us a hashtag replay. And without further ado, I am going to jump in. Xavier, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. I know you have had one of the craziest days in a very long time. So I'm so appreciative of you being here. Welcome to Hashtag No Limits. Thank you. So, so I said you're a hot ticket, and this is April, and this is Autism Acceptance and Awareness Month. And because of that, you are super busy, but also because you um, have had a most recent successful internship. And I'm going to save that until a little bit further into the program. But right now, I want to talk to you about your childhood. And tell us what it was like. You were a military brat. Is that correct? Um, yes. My dad oh. um, got me born and through a military hospital helped. And so as a military brat, you moved around a lot. Yes. Yep. Um, sorry, go ahead. I did. Uh, my um, parents um, raised me during while well, my dad served in the military and uh, we did move around a lot early years and later became mostly in Michigan. Awesome. So moving around a lot for any military person, any military child is a difficult thing because uh, around the time you kind of get settled and you get used to who who's in your class and who's in your neighborhood, it's time to uplift or uproot and move again. But for someone who is... Um, autistic like yourself, I imagine it was even more difficult. Would do you have any siblings? I do. Um, she's younger than me. Her name is Alicia. She's my sister, only and, sibling. And and as you moved around, did you see that things were maybe easier for her than they were for you, or did you not really notice? Um, I think things were easier for her definitely because she didn't have challenges in school as like nearly like I did with uh, autism right and so do you think that those challenges sh helped shaped who you are today 
definitely they did for sure and in what ways do you feel that they helped shape you it gave me more strength to go overcome obstacles by standing up more for my own I, um, potential rather than letting people constrain me from moving forward. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, and I just realized that, uh, my audience isn't seeing us and I should probably explain why that is. Um, as I told you, Xavier has had one of his craziest days in a long time and he's traveling and he's in his vehicle. And so he has graciously agreed to, uh, do this with us by audio. So, um, what you're seeing on the screen is the front page of his website. Um, and we'll get to that in a little bit, but I just wanted to give everybody, <laughs> I forgot about that part that they all, uh, everybody that's watching it, it can't see us. So I apologize, Xavier, for, for interrupting you. Um, so, so you went through school, you did a lot of moving around. Did you have a favorite, um, school? And if so, why was it a favorite? Um, I, uh, did not necessarily have a favorite school um, because each one of my school, K to 12, I had different kind of challenges being mistreated and disciplined for injustice reasons. And I just don't accept the way I was developed through the school system, labeling me low IQ, which I don't really care about the IQ. It didn't determine or, or define me who I really am. So... I, at that point, I just decided that um, I can only live my own world if I'm free to myself. That is awesome. And I 100% agree with you. IQ is one part of who someone is. There is a million other parts of what makes a person who they are. And um, me having red hair, you having autism, me wearing glasses, you not wearing glasses, those are all just parts of who we are and what makes us who we are. Um, so I love the fact that you never accepted that. That's that's amazing. What uh, when when you talk about the challenges? I mean, you did just mention you know that they thought you had a low IQ. What was it? Do you think that made them think you had a low IQ? Um, because they tested me in high school, for instance. Um, and thought that I couldn't have good self-independence in life because of my lack of um, communicating properly with sarcasm. And they thought I would never drive because I didn't drive just before high school ended. Um, but I also had epilepsy as a child. And I overcome epilepsy with my neurologist that um, told me that you're good now to go. And um, they think it's because puberty developed my brain to be rewired up and oxidized, um, which, cause I was born with low oxygen. Okay. That's, that's so cool. I love that the two things that they told you you wouldn't do are the two things that you are doing right at this moment, which is driving and communicating. And so, um, do, do, do you ever want to go back to those people and say you were wrong and not just wrong, but you were wrong by a lot. I, won't hesitate, um, but a lot of them are now gone and retired. Yeah, 
And I mean, to be honest, it, it wouldn't really do you any good um, to do that. I mean, unfortunately, it, you know, it, you can't go back and change the past. The good that may come out of it is, is what I hope this show does, which is change people's perspectives about people who learn differently and to not place the limits on a person. Um, <clears throat> and so, so we talked a little about you um, not really having a favorite school and that all of them presented you with similar challenges. Um, did you have a favorite state that you lived in? So take the school picture out of it. Was there a favorite location that you liked? Mm, Lansing, Michigan, um, here at Grand Ledge Public Schools. Yeah, and that's where you stayed, so that makes sense. Um, so if I did my math calculating right, um, you are 30 years old. Is that correct? Yep, I am. And you have been advocating for 11 years. Is that right? Yes, correct. So around the time that you were 19, you decided that you wanted to advocate. Why did you make that decision? Because I felt that I was finally becoming free to my own voice and um, I didn't have um, any suppression from going after my potential at that moment as I graduated. So I decided that it's just time for me to live my own world and dreams. That's beautiful. Now, you graduated high school at around this time, I'm presuming. Were you in college or did you go to college? I was... Um, Oh, getting ready to go to college. I didn't go to college until 2011, though. Okay. So um, so tell us, so you started at age 19 and um, advocating for people, just people with autism or people who learn differently in all ways. Um, I was a disability rights advocate who learned differently in all ways. And um, I would just say the expertise was my autism. Got it. That's good. That's that's what I say. I say I'm an I I'm a special education. I'm sorry. I'm an education consultant with my specialty in special education. So um, I completely understand that. So tell us a little bit about some of your early successes and maybe if you can remember some of your early disappointments in advocating. I um had moments that people try to stop me from going after my ideas because they thought it would be too good to be true, um, such as moments I worked at in a workforce at um, places like Menards um, and places like Myers. Back in the day, I had other workers that were working with me that would have doubts and me going and one day meeting the dilemma, Stephen Hawking, to talk about changes that can be done around the world for autism and later on i start making actual laws that get changed for in the course of autism so people now have nothing to say but just sit there quietly and just like shake their head that's so cool um so what were some of the successes early on that you had and what what did the disappointments and the successes teach you um the successes um, I had had taught me that there's never a day you are successful because you can always get better. Oh, I think your audio cut out. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Um, so I heard um, you're never successful every day. You're now I forgot how you said it. And you said it so beautifully. You're never successful um, um, because there is um, in this way the world works. There's never a day you won't find challenges in life and you'll have a perfect life. So to me, success is something that can only get better and better as you get older and learn lessons in life and the mistakes to um, make progress. So I found out that the only way you'll be successful is if you make your mind believe you're successful. Interesting. I really like that approach. So um, you started advocating in Lansing. And um, according to what I read on your website, um, and by the way, I will tell everybody now what that website is. It is the Xavier DeGroat Foundation website, um, and it's XavierDeGroatFoundation.org. So um, I was, I'm going to scroll up on your website here and go to the, uh, what page am I on? I'm on your homepage. So if you scroll down, it says, the focus is equality for those on the spectrum. And what I was going to look for was um, trying to find, sorry, I had this written down and I don't know where it went. Um, so you met with labor union officials, politicians, and business executives there in Lansing. And then it says it started a snowball effect for other networks. So who was um, one of the people or one of the organizations do that you feel really elevated your advocacy early on, early on. I, I'm still not ready to talk about most recent. Yes. Um, Michigan State University, um, oh, athletics, um, through, through football coach Mark Antonio here, roughly about, um, it was five years ago, um, had really got me accelerating with my momentum. Awesome. A football coach that, you know, I, coaches um, can be very instrumental in a lot of building up, not just for their athletes, but for a lot of people. So where I am right now, Xavier, um, is I'm getting ready to start showing some photos from your page. But before I do that, I want you to tell us about your foundation, like how you started it, why you started it, and um, what kind of success it has had so far. Yes. Um, my um, advocacy started all with going through labor unions, and um, but I found out that I can't limit myself to one or the other in the institution world, because if I do that, then I found that you don't really have a deeper mission to integrate all social institutions for those with autism. So as I got further and further, I found out more who plays a central role in that was not one organization or the other, but would be like government. And so then I started going out and meeting with state politicians and mayors and then making my way to federal. And they come down and boil down to the fact that one man can make a difference, according to Congressman John Lewis, civil rights leader, who was a friend of mine and helped advocate for me, stating that if he uh, did not join the civil rights movement, by far, um, there would not be the same kind of voting rights there was after Selma. And so think of yourself, Xavier, as your autism doctor, Martin Luther King, 
becoming a leader for your own um, advocacy of injustices that you strive um, and had with. So you can make a difference that way by teaching people or by telling them that you're not less but different. Oh, wow. Yeah, I could see why that would inspire you. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, and so tell us about the foundation. What was the, the reason behind starting it? And um, tell us some of the things that if somebody reached out to your foundation, what would you be able to help, it, help them do? Yes, our foundation um, is particularly dedicated to raise funds for um, building programs and seminars. Think of it like Boys and Girls Club does or YMCA camps. Where okay. We have programs to get kids together that need sensory-friendly environments to have fun at the same time. And also have the parents be educated on how they should continue developing their child on the spectrum by being um, very much open-minded to let their different ability take over rather than focusing on their disability so much. Yes, that is so true. Um, focusing on their different ability instead of on making their disability the prevalent part about them. Um, there's a saying that I've heard uh, recently, and I will actually be interviewing somebody that I know uses this saying, um, and, he, and he says, don't diss my ability. And I think that fits well into what you do also with your advocacy. Yes. Um, so you talked about that, you know, you started at the local level and then you went to, um, you know, the regional level and then the state level and the federal level. And so the reason besides the fact that it is Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month that you are such a hot ticket right now is what you did to wrap up the year 2020. Where were you wrapping up 2020? Oh, yes. Um, the White House. Um, under President Donald Trump, I handled mail for him in a presidential correspondence division, becoming the first openly public domained individual on the autism spectrum to intern there. I like how you say that like it's no big deal. Oh, right. Yeah, I was at the White House. Um, <laughs> because... For the rest of us that are watching, that's a pretty big deal. Just even getting to visit the outside of the White House was, I thought, very impressive to me. And you were wandering the halls, so to speak. I mean, I, I don't think you probably actually were allowed to wander the halls. Um, so you were helping with his, his mail correspondence. And so tell us um, some of the, the highlights and some of the lowlights about that internship. The highlights was the, um, it was during one of the most, probably the most um, high consequential moment of his administration because of COVID going on and because it was election year mm -hmm. that we received a lot of threat letters. We received a lot of um, thank you letters at the same time, but we also received a lot of um, letters regarding um, issues facing stimulus packages and so forth. And the best, what I would do to make a difference is manage to get all those um bureaucratic taken care of with stimulus or health care issues with COVID um, through process of going to the agency that handles the, the requests such as Treasury Department and our correspondence office. We're rewritten a um, help with through President um, Donald Trump signing the letters that he thanks them for writing to the White House and requesting any way we can help will help, but it doesn't stop me from um, having an enjoyment 
to um, go forward. Um, but there was challenges because of COVID. The Washington, D.C. area was all locked down. There was nothing to do really on the weekends but sit around at your apartment. And I and that's the one part of it that was I didn't enjoy. But I enjoyed the White House itself. That was particularly the reason why I was out there. And, and it was worth it to me. So can you walk us through what a typical day was like for you during that internship? I mean, I don't know if there's any, you know, um, security yeah. stuff that you can't share, but. It was um, very um, much um, uh, ongoing out and about um, kind of um, deal where I would um, go um, right up, get up at eight o'clock in the morning and I have to be to work at 9 a.m. and I would leave at 6 p.m. on a daily basis unless there was something major going on at the White House or something major going on elsewhere that they wanted us to participate in as an intern. Sometimes um, it would be unique days, though, too, where interns got to, in general, get together and watch the presidents um, make a um, landing or a um, go entering of his Marine One. And we saw one time First Lady and him walk together towards Marine One, and it was quite cool. But we also got to do things like go to public speaking um, events at the Eisenhower Executive Office building of the White House to watch Secretary Alex Azar, the Health Department, give out a speech about his service in the Health Department, going all the way back to President George W. Bush. But there is not one way to best describe it because it's so um, vague and how much of an experience it really was. Yeah, well, and that's that's good. So, so if I understood what you said correctly, so... Um, well, first, let me ask you how long I want to make sure I ask you this. How long was your internship? Three months. Three months. From okay. And September to like about early December. So you really were right in the middle of all of the pandemic and election stuff being there from September to December. That's that's incredible. And that was that was a very big election. Um, and I'm sure yes. lots of of. Um, what am I trying to say? Uh, crazy, hectic days um, at during that time. So you, so you were his mail correspondent. So you actually, um, you would respond to the letters, or you would just kind of go through them and make find the ones that were sort of safe to take to him. <laughs> I would go. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be the only one. I had my boss there too, um, of course, but. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite the collection. I couldn't even tell you how many letters we received a day. The White House receives more letters in one day than you probably receive in your mailbox in your whole life. Oh, I'm sure, because I don't hardly ever get mail anymore. <laughs> but most of the mail I do receive is junk mail, unfortunately. Um, does junk mail come to the White House? That's just a silly question. But I um, would say no mail is considered junk to us at the White House. Okay. That's the best way to put it. But at the end of the day, of course, you did have people that would write things like, get on my site, president. We are not happy with you right now. Stuff that can just be into political, um, legal scamming. And oh, sure. That would, not, that would just be like nonsense. We would, those things, we can only do so much towards back to our citizens. Right. But at the end of the day, though, um, it was certainly an astonishment for my life. And, I 
and moving on like right now actually in fact i gotta um, head to a meeting here very shortly and um i'm going over to talk with some business folks here as it's autism is ending april and we'll be getting things going yeah. And I, again, I so appreciate your time today. And I know that you, um, we had to reschedule a couple of times because you have so many things going on in your schedule. And so I do very much appreciate you taking the time to chat with me. Um, before I let you go, I would like to know who have been some of your favorite people that you have met? Um, of course, I'd put Muhammad Ali. Um, Arnold Palmer, um, Stephen Hawking, or da the Dalai Lama, including President George W. Bush and President Donald Trump and Rudy Giuliani. Those would be my top probably nine or ten people so far, um, but there is quite the collection, and I have also had a pleasure very much so with George Lopez, the comedian, who was one of my first celebrities supporting my cause and advocacy. Yeah, I'm showing some pictures um, of from your website that share your politicians and activists, um, writers and journalists, your scientists. I have to ask, though, when I look at the scientists, there is one that I am a huge fan of. And as this is Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month, I don't think we can um, leave this interview without talking about you meeting Dr. Temple Grandin. Yes, um, she's been my um, great pleasure and mentor for supporting my cause. And she's actually in constant contact with me every once in a while here as we catch up with um, each other on how we're doing. And in fact, she is um, looking forward to having an event with me for my foundation with the zoo to talk about animal science behavior translations for those with autism um, based off of her book that she written. And we will be holding that as soon as COVID permits more publicity. Right. That is so awesome. And I and I love in almost all of your pictures, you are not wearing a hat, but in your picture with Dr. Grandin, you have on a cowboy hat. And I think that's that's pretty cool because she is such a a Western type of uh, dresser. And so I'm just showing a couple pictures, a couple more pictures of you with, oh gosh, Tony Bennett. Um, George Lopez, like you said, you are you have a lot of interaction with him. Um, so I'm just kind of scrolling through. Uh, when I mentioned the six degrees of separation, do you know what that game is? Um, no, I do not. Okay, so the six degrees of separation is how it, it's. I think it started a long time ago. With you can connect yourself to Kevin Bacon in six degrees. So like, um, you know, I know this person who knows this person who knows this person who knows Kevin Bacon. Um, and uh -huh. so it's, it's now for me and, and a lot of my friends kind of evolved into a, you know, well, just who, who do you know? Um, or who are you connected to and by how many degrees away? And so right. now that I have interviewed you, you know, I'm just now one degree or two degrees away from all the same people that you know. So I, I had posted that earlier today that my degrees of separation to so many people um, is, is exponentially expanded after this interview with you. Um, so do you have any legislation? You talked about working on legislation. Do you have any legislation in the book, in the works right now? Yes, I'm currently in legislation works with um, Congressman Dan Kildee and 
former Congressman Mike Rogers in testimony for supporting um, FBI changes and how they handle victims of crime that happen to be on the autism spectrum or whether there's a person on a spectrum that is on a crime list that they don't get restraint the same way that others do. So that way they don't lead into a high intensifying stimulation overload um, when they get arrested. And I don't see enough training at the FBI for autism as much as I know they could um, be doing to be better that. And so that will be here more public here down the road um, before the end of the year, for sure. And um, we recently got um, a letter drafted to the Transportation Security Administration and Homeland Security to have their training officers be developing better a system through their database to allow driver's license or state ID that people on the spectrum that happen to register with the Department of State, which we got that law passed in Michigan and other two other states have it, Kentucky and Texas does as well to manage a better way of interacting with officers so they um, know how to handle a person on the spectrum when they get screened at the airports because there's too many times a person with autism may not like being touched that most people can cope with a little bit. Now, no one likes being touched or anything, but a person on the spectrum may have literally a lack of um, um, empathy at understanding how other people are doing their job or what the, the reason is behind things and they only sometimes can see it in their own ways and that needs to be looked into better so we got that taken care of though as we got approval by the TSA that they are going to make that change in effect actually in just a couple of days from now it takes solid effect and and we'll get more states to do the same law we got done in Michigan to have license plates and um, be voluntarily optional and state IDs and driver's license for those with autism. That is amazing. And I definitely understand the importance of that. Um, I kind of keep an eye on what are what kinds of things are happening um, within the world of special education. And that is certainly one of the areas that is a need is that there's a way to identify, but also a way for police officers and emergency response personnel, TSA, like you mentioned, um, firefighters, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, like you said, you know, um, people on the on the autism spectrum um, tend not to like to be touched, and they're also very black and white in in a lot of instances, and. Um, Being unable to to filter out um, some things that are happening mm-hmm. within as well as outside and understanding the differences and reading those social cues like you mentioned as well. Um, so that that is super amazing legislation to be to be working on and I'm um, I'm proud that that you're doing that and very happy because I know that is going to be of a huge benefit all across the country, um, whenever all of the states put that into effect and if it becomes a federal type of legislation. Um, Xavier, I know you have to go, so I would love to keep talking with you, but I know that your time is very precious and I don't want to make you late for someone else's program or some other speaking engagement you have. So again, thank you so much for squeezing me and this program in today. As I said, no limits is about limits that have been placed upon people and they've busted through those limits. 
And I know from talking with you and from looking over your website that you are the kind of person who does not take no for an answer. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And I believe that's probably why you have been able to accomplish all that you have accomplished. And 11 or 12 years probably feels like a long time to be advocating. Um, and while it is, I think you have many years of advocating ahead of you, even if it's not just within the community of people with autism. I think you you have a voice and you have a great personality to get to know people and you are definitely resilient and um, somebody who most definitely fits the mold of hashtag no limits. So thank you again, be safe while you're driving and um, I look forward to what's going to happen in your future. Awesome, thank you, Shelly, we'll talk to you soon. All right, bye-bye. Thank you everyone for joining. All right.